0: I would like leadership in the aged care sector to be characterised by optimism and energy because I can't tell you how many seminars and, and conferences I've, I've sat through where I've, I've come away at the end and felt that all I've heard from people you know who, who are there presenting, who are leaders in the industry, is what's so hard
1: silver adventures is a content and technology company dedicated to improving the lives of older adults through immersive virtual reality experiences and this podcast is our opportunity to hear from industry experts thought leaders and passionate individuals to share with you their knowledge expertise and experiences welcome to the aged care Enrichment podcast I'm your host, Ash Deneef, and today's episode is with Anna Donaldson. Anna is the founder and CEO of Lively, a not-for-profit organisation that employs young people to provide care and companionship to older people. Anna has been developing Lively for five years now, which has recently launched its home care platform, and it's built on the idea that care can be a two-way relationship between the helper and the recipient, where both parties are contributing and receiving value. And as you'll hear, she's extremely positive and passionate about the future of our industry. In this conversation, we talk about the reciprocal care model that Lively is based on, how to engage more young people in care work, and the place of optimism in aged care. This episode was recorded in December 2020, so there are some references to the COVID-19 pandemic, but the content is still relevant no matter when you're listening. So we hope you enjoy this conversation with Anna Donaldson. Anna, thank you so much for joining us on the program today.
0: No worries. Thanks for having me.
1: Can we start, as we always do, with a little bit about you and your story?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the founder and CEO of a social enterprise, not-for-profit social enterprise in Melbourne called Lively. We train and employ young job seekers to help older people stay connected and and live well, and we have a range of programs um, that sort of brings that concept to life, um, which I can talk more about. But I guess a bit about myself, um, I've been working on Lively for about five years now, sort of fell into it after some volunteer experience as a life story writer for an aged care provider here in in Melbourne, during which time I was connected with an older lady who wanted her life story written, and who I started visiting and continued to visit for a number of years, and who was extremely isolated and and alone at the end of her life, and it was a real it was a real eye opener for me um, seeing what that experience looks like. And after she passed away. It was like I sort of had my ears pricked to this issue of social isolation amongst older people and all of a sudden I was hearing about it everywhere and realising how prevalent it is in the community and started to think about what could be done uh, about it and simultaneously had this growing concern around youth unemployment, knowing so many young people who couldn't get work because they didn't have experience and and just sort of going through that infuriating cycle of job applications getting knocked back (laughs) wondering how you get experience when no one will give you a job and sort of, yeah, one day I had this, this sort of random light bulb moment and thought that perhaps these two issues could be, could be brought together to, to solve each other and that was the start of the, the journey and, and here I am today.
1: Fantastic. And I do want to come back to Lively in a little bit but can we go back to the start of the story there and you're working as a, a life story writer. What was the name of that story? Yeah,
0: a life story writer as a volunteer uh, for an aged care provider.
1: And how old were you when you were doing that?
0: So I was in uni. I was twenty one years old when I when I first started doing that.
1: And this the woman that you, you visited you visited over a number of years, what was the experience like in spending time with her?
0: Mm. Oh, look, it was a pretty I'm trying to think, think of a word to, to capture it. It was a pretty incredible experience very rewarding, very challenging at the same time. When I met Patricia she was being supported by an aged care provider in her own home and she'd expressed this wish to capture her life story and to actually write and publish a book about her life and they they were looking for a volunteer to do that and they brought me in and When I first met Patricia, she really, all she wanted to do was just get this life down and publish a full-blown novel um, that she wanted to, you know, she was a really young ho, she wanted to share it with the world, she wanted everyone to know about this life that she'd lived and she had some of the most incredible stories, you know, like my favourite, uh, which I always tell is a time that she just got drunk with a boy that she'd met and stowed away on a boat to Antarctica and passed out and woke up halfway there um, and got sent back on another sort of cargo ship back to Melbourne. And she was just this really vivacious, fierce kind of character and I learnt, learnt a lot and and as a young person, you know, hearing these experiences from, from her life and, and what that had looked like was, yeah, it was, it was amazing and, and very eye-opening. She'd never had family and and just, you know, through no fault of her own, she just found herself completely alone at the end of her life and she was struggling with a lot of health issues and she couldn't get out of the house at all. She was just stuck inside in this dark, quiet house day in, day out with really nobody coming by other than the care workers through her aged care provider and, and then me and so... I guess as you can imagine over time and as I got really intimately acquainted with her and her life and, and formed a friendship with her it ended up being quite a lot of pressure on me as a young person in some respects to be that that sole companion in, in her life and and towards the end of her life she moved into residential care and and I was visiting her in the, in the facility and the last time I saw her I knew that I knew that she really was about to pass away and um, and I sort of said my goodbyes and left and I called the facility a week later just to ask, frankly, if she was still there and, and how she was going. And, and I'll never forget I, the person who answered the phone, you know, I asked them whether Patricia was still with them and she'd been there for months and and the response I got was, oh, who? And they didn't know who she was and they went off and just like, oh, I'll go find out. And they came back five minutes later and said, oh, yeah, she passed away a week ago, um, and and that was it. I remember sort of getting off that phone call and just being left with the most, yeah, really indescribable feeling of just this, yeah, this this open ended, strange, yeah. I don't I don't have words for it really. Um, but just this this feeling of having been witness to this imp- incredible person and this incredible life that had just suddenly disappeared and with no recognition or acknowledgement or celebration and and it really yeah it, it really stuck with me and I just I guess I had this sense of having just been witness to to an experience and to a reality that just wasn't okay the more I, I came to discover uh, how many other older people have that experience um, towards the end of their life the the more I the more I grew passionate about about doing something about it more broadly so that's a long answer to your question that it was a it was a big (laughs) experience, I guess.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a great answer. It sounds like you got so much out of your relationship with Patricia, so much at a very young age as well to kind of change your perceptions of what it's like to, to grow older or to, you know, when you're 21, you have all these kind of misconceptions about older people. So this is kind of the genesis of Lively then.
0: Mm. the experience that I had with Patricia, but also with other older people in my life, grandparents who I'd been very close to, I guess it all had had instilled in me a really strong sense of how much older people have to offer young people and, and how much young people gain from, from actually just spending time with older people and, and becoming privy to, to that wealth of experience and, and knowledge and the stories they they carry. So yeah, the idea that we could actually employ young people and provide meaningful jobs for young people in the process it just felt like a no-brainer and and too much of a win-win for me not to to pursue so it started as a very broad and fuzzy idea of you know connecting young and older people in this way but yeah that's where that's really where it all started.
1: Great can we touch on some of the the programs that Lively runs what sort of employment are you offering to young people?
0: Yeah, so for the first few years that we were running, our primary program was a technology help program where we employed young people to help older people learn how to get online and use technology as a tool for connecting and communicating and pursuing their interests. So whether that's, you know, as simple as sending text messages or getting onto social media or learning how to do video calls, you name it, um, just having the helpers there as a patient um, friend and companion to, to work, work them through it. and. I had one older person who once described it to me as like having a, a grandchild who has more time and patience, and I think that's sort of the perfect description of what that technology help program sort of is all about. Yeah. And then about a year ago, uh, we also went through a design process with young and older people that culminated in a full intergenerational home care service model, uh, and we were approved as a provider by the um, Department of Health to offer a full home care service to older people who are who on home care care packages and and requiring that in-home support and then most recently this year uh, we've had a few other things pop up obviously with COVID um, that just changed everything and uh, we ended up developing and delivering a remote support program to provide companionship and and technology help virtually and and remotely for, for older people during lockdown and also uh, initiated an intergenerational gardening program where we could have helpers getting out in the garden with older people who love their gardens and want to stay involved but just can't do it all themselves anymore and who would appreciate a sort of yeah friendly companion and an extra pair of hands which thankfully we've been able to to initiate because We can do a bit more outside now than we can inside at the moment um, as we come through the the different levels of restriction. So, yeah, there's quite a range of different programs and and services running running now. And and I guess our aspiration is to be continually responding to these new ideas and these new needs that pop up because we do so often hear from, from young and older people Of new ways that they would like to to support each other. And, And one really lovely example is one of our existing helpers, Justin, who's a musician during lockdown. Um, Recognised that he and other young musicians in the entertainment industry were obviously out of work while we were in in lockdown, and that there were there was an opportunity to be hosting private Zoom music performances for older people who might be isolated and learning and performing some of their favourite songs, their favourite pieces, and using that as a point of connection. and And he sort of just started that initiative on on his own on his own steam and got that up and running. And so those are the sorts of things that we're that we're really keen to see springing up and come into
1: life. When you're talking about the home care program that you were developing, what kind of questions were you asking? What were you testing in the development process?
0: Mm. Well, it was quite a long process. Um, It was about a 12-month design process that we worked through and we started with this question of, okay, we know that the technology hub service is working and that there's a demand and an interest on both sides for that model, but we had this sense that there was so much more that young people could be helping older people with and, and vice versa, so whether that might be around the house or in the garden or getting out and about. And we were first and foremost interested in actually What what else did young and older people want to do together? Uh, And so we went through a process of of interviews with a lot of young people and and older people to understand their needs and how they might be able to to fit alongside each other. And what we heard from that process was that, yeah, there was this sort of mutual interest in in that broader range that I just described. And and I guess when we thought about that, we realised that a lot of those services were the services that are currently offered by home care providers and by the formal home care system. But when we were speaking to, to young and older people, I guess we realised that there was a lot about the way that those services are currently offered that wasn't ticking the box for them. And, uh, and there, were, there was an interest from, from young and older people in being able to engage with that sort of support in a different way. One of the key things that we heard was that for older people, they really didn't like that idea of receiving care as this sort of transactional relationship where they were this passive recipient or this this person that needed to be helped. It kind of gave them a a sense. They felt like a burden. It felt like it undermined their sense of self and and identity and and, and competence even. What they were really interested in was, was the idea of this relationship where it was just that, a relationship. And, and an exchange where they would be seen and recognised for still having something to offer back to the person that was supporting them and where the person coming to support was also actively interested in learning from and, and gaining new knowledge or skills or whatever it might be from, from the older people they were working with. So I guess we set out to develop a home care service with that at its core and, and with the core question of how do we construct a service based on a fundamentally different care dynamic and relationship uh, where it is about a two-way partnership rather than a support worker and a care recipient. And around that, uh, how do we actually enable that relationship and that partnership to be as human and real and flexible as possible rather than surrounding it with layers of bureaucracy and red tape that we heard from a lot of older people um, was very much a feature of their experience accessing formal care services um, through through other more established providers. And so we set out to, to figure out what that might look like and we engaged a group of young and older people in a co-design trial where we actually got them on board in in working that out and sort of nutting out the the details of that from how they should set their schedules and figure out the time that they would see each other through to how we should provide access to the budget and the live tracking of expenditure so that the older people and the young people could together make decisions about how they were going to use their, their care hours and what they were going to direct that towards. And there were lots, lots of sort of sub-questions um, for us that, that we worked through with young and older people to, to answer. And, and I think what came out is a really unique approach to, to home care and, and a, a really different take uh, on, on what home care actually means.
1: Yeah, that sounds really great and it all kind of ties back to your experience with Patricia as well that it's a give and take. Do you find that that reciprocal arrangement can work in situations where an older person needs a higher level of care as well?
0: An interesting thing is that I guess when we first came into this service we had an assumption that it would actually be best directed towards and best suited for older people who were perhaps a little bit earlier in their care journey and whose needs were not hugely complex. And that was the premise on which we sort of set about launching the service uh, at the start of this year. But then interestingly, the first lady to engage in the service with was a beautiful lady named Lena who had advanced dementia and obviously very complex care needs. And for Lena, she'd been entirely resistant to accepting Care services. Uh, her family had been had been fighting a real uphill battle and were at their wit's end because she just wouldn't wouldn't have anybody in her house to come and help her out, and she really desperately needed it. But when she heard about Lively, and when Lively was introduced to her, she. Uh, yeah she, she really kind of grabbed onto this idea that she would actually be supporting a young person and giving a young person a go and giving a young person the opportunity to build skills and experience and for that reason and no other she said oh that's fine I'll do it I'll give it a go so that I can help this young person and then the relationship that grew um, between between that that member and helper was just absolutely beautiful and and you know Obviously, with advancing dementia, there comes a time where it's just not possible to support someone in, in the home anymore. And Lena did need to move into residential care in the last couple of months. But there was, you know, a, a year there where, where she and her helper um, enjoyed, yeah, a really beautiful friendship and, and relationship and, and where the helper was was able to really step up to the plate and meet, meet those needs and deal with the complexity of the situation in a way that was um, was really exciting and inspiring to see. So I would still say that, in a lot of ways, our model is at its best um, with older people whose needs are not too complex, because we do have to to manage the need to support the young people's development. And we, we can't throw them into to situations that are going to be beyond their their experience and capacity to, to navigate. But we've definitely seen the example that it, that it can still work at the other end of the spectrum.
1: Fantastic. I imagine that in most of the assignments of a young person to an older person, most of those relationships that you're facilitating, you're trying to keep the same helper going to the same older person, right, throughout?
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the really, again, one of the core differences in in the way that this, this model works is that it is about matching the member with one or, you know, perhaps two core helpers who they then have a primary relationship with. And rather than sitting centrally and rostering our helpers and and, and shuffling them around, it's actually up to the helpers in partnership with their members to set their own schedules and, and to really treat those relationships as their relationships that they carry through over time because that was one of the things that we heard really clearly from older people during the design process was that Far too often people's experience is one of a revolving door um, of people coming through their home and and unfamiliar faces and, and different support workers and, you know, it's such a vulnerable thing having, you know, people in, in your home and, and there's so much trust required that that experience was one that came through really, really strongly as being a need for change.
1: You're listening to the Aged Care Enrichment Podcast brought to you by Silver Adventures. We're on a mission to examine ways to improve the quality of care and the quality of life for seniors. And each week, we're bringing aged care industry experts, thought leaders, and passionate individuals directly to you to share their knowledge, stories, and experiences. In season one of the podcast, we delivered thought-provoking and meaningful episodes covering consumer experience, dementia care, palliative care, service transformation, and research and innovation. And we've got plenty more amazing guests lined up for season two. So maybe you'd like to partner with us and have your message showcased directly to our rapidly growing audience of aged care executives and people working within the industry. For advertising inquiries, please email acepodcast at silver, that's S I L V R, adventures.com.au. Now let's get back to this week's guest. So one side of the, the coin of, of Lively's work is also engaging the young people. What's it been like to bring young individuals on board?
0: It's interesting. I, I often have people ask me that question and assume that we must have a real uphill battle getting, getting young people into this work because I think more broadly across the sector, you know, that, that it's a common story that, that aged care providers are struggling to, to attract young workers and, and, and new professionals into, into this space. In our experience, it's been the opposite. We've uh, you know, had to <laughs> um, maintain really long waiting lists of young people who are, who are reaching out to us, seeking the opportunity to work with Lively. And we've actually had about 2,000 applications for the 70-odd jobs that we've had available to date with really minimal recruitment or promotional effort on our part at all. And we did a, a bit of Research and and exploration with young people around what was driving that and and what it was that um that was attracting young people to lively and really consistently the thing that we heard was that for young people who are just getting started in the world of work and who are looking for for casual employment to just start building some skills and experience and testing the waters, the opportunity to do something that felt meaningful and like they were making a contribution and, and playing a valuable role in the community was so novel and so exciting relative to the other sort of range of things that are on offer to them at that point, which is basically retail and hospitality. <laughs> um, and that was what they were jumping at. And I have this real sense that the next generation of young people coming through is a really purpose-driven generation. It's young people who who do want to make a difference and do want to feel like they're using their time in good ways. Um, and so for us, really centering that and, and centering the contribution that they would be making to, to older people has been a really effective way of inspiring young people to get involved in this space. But then what very quickly keeps them involved is is what they very quickly learn that they get from, from the older people through the process as well. Not only the, the reward of feeling like they're helping them, but just the lovely relationships that they develop and, and that informal, you know guidance and, and advice and the stories that they, they start to hear from the older people and the last time that we surveyed our helpers about 92 percent of the helpers said that they're now much more likely to consider a career in the aged care space or related to the support of older people than than before they, they got involved with Lively. So the, the model that we've got that actually enables young people to dip their toe in and and get some experience without having sort of mentally committed to the idea of an aged care career is a really promising model for sparking that interest in in young people in in the sector um, and then potentially setting them on longer term pathways of formal qualifications and and ongoing work in this
1: field. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I mean, I have some friends who are a similar age to me who work in more traditional aged care settings and it's been interesting to watch their journey. It's not always been a positive one and it's not always been one in which they've felt, you know, encouraged by the team around them to, to keep bringing enthusiasm. So Lively might be a great environment in which to start that kind of work where there is an enthusiasm in it and a hope for the best.
0: Yeah, and and what was interesting actually when we surveyed young people through this this project was we asked them you know would they be equally interested in in the work if it was with another aged care provider and the vast majority said no <laughs> um, so we asked them why and and they said that it was because of the the culture and the ethos and the vibe <laughs> of, of lively um, which is that yeah as you said sort of energetic and optimistic and um, and so. Yeah, I guess our sort of internal theory of change is that we hope that by you know being that first step into this space for young people, we can get them really inspired, get them really motivated, um, and and hopefully that is able to um sort of carry through uh, over time rather than being something that yeah is unfortunately sometimes stamped out quite early in their career once they do get out into the into more traditional pockets of the aged care sector.
1: Fantastic. Now you've mentioned at the start there that isolation was something you really wanted to tackle with this. How can you uh, best serve the most isolated members of the community? Because these people are often not on the internet and and very hard to, to actually reach out to, right?
0: Look, I would say it's an ongoing process for us to figure out how to reach those who are most isolated because, as you've said, you know, by, by virtue of their isolation, they are the hardest to reach. Um, we've probably had our most success in working with other community partners and, and we've taken a, a very sort of clear strategic approach so far um, of engaging with the local communities that we operate in and forming really strong relationships with local council and other local service providers who are often, you know, that little bit more closely connected to, to those who are at the, at the fringe. Of, of the community uh, and they've been able to refer people into to our programs and that's worked really well. Um, but I still think that there's more that we can do, uh, particularly for those who aren't connected to any form of services or, or to community networks. Uh, and we are, we're actually looking uh, at another design project early, early in the new year to start, um, yeah, to kind of start working through that piece with a bit more attention.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's trying to engage the community more. Can you give us any sort of insight into next year's growth?
0: Yeah, look, I think um, so aside from the growth of the existing sort of programs and services that we're offering, uh, I think what's front of mind for us is, yeah, how, how we actually build really rich local networks um, in the particular local community areas that we're looking to operate. And for us, what we're eager to be doing is connecting young people who are themselves local to a particular area with, with older people in that community and then building out around that um, a really rich network of community support and 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 so what that looks like is where I think there's a lot of opportunity for for design in terms of the way that we interface with and work with other existing community organizations and and resources and groups but also the way that we reach out and you know as a a small example I'm reminded of of a couple of characters that I often see in my own local area particularly this year um, when I've been around the area so much during lockdown particular faces and, and older people who I very often see sitting by themselves on a park bench or sitting out in the front of a particular cafe when the cafes are open and who I'd never seen speaking to anybody and you know I think that there are particularly local cafe owners local supermarkets and GPs there are, there are people in the community who will see people as they as they go about their daily life and we're really interested in how we can start to think about activating that potential um, and and enabling individuals in, in their community to actually play that connector role and to to reach out and, and engage somebody in that community of support. So it's all in idea land at the moment, <laughs> but um, but it's something that we're really excited to, to start exploring a little bit more.
1: Yeah, that does sound really exciting. You can kind of imagine a different, not a different world entirely, but a, a different kind of relationship that we have as a community to, to all the members of it. And I guess at the heart of it, there's a belief that it, it can be better and we can be more inclusive. Beyond the scope of the work that you're doing with Lively, do you feel like how do you think we can change those relationships as individuals or as a community? What do you see as the kind of actions to get those balls rolling?
0: I mean, it's a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not an easy one. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that it's been a really interesting time this year particularly, you know, with our experience through COVID because because I really do sense that it has given people this, it's it sort of, you know, shaken people out of just the busyness of their their every day and, and and given pause to reflect on, you know, what matters and, and what's important in life. And, and I think um, almost universally, you know, one of the answers has been that people <laughs> are, are what matters and it's those connections and relationships that matter. And I think that there's a lot of people who are, you know, questioning what to do with that going forward and, and how we actually take those those new insights and that new level of care for for our, our community and the connections around us uh, and make and, and translate that into a, a more positive future uh, for, for our community at, at, at a high level. I think that it's going to look, you know, the answer is going to look different for, for every person. Um, but I think that you know, to me, it's really small things. It's, you know, what if we can be, rather than feeling a little bit shy and awkward and uncomfortable and overthinking, reach out to that person who we see sitting by themselves in the park and just say hi and start up a conversation rather than, than walk past because you don't know how to engage or put up a little notice on your on your community notice board saying that you're happy to, you know, go for a walk and a chat with somebody who... <laughs> Who might find themselves feeling a bit on their own? Like it could be such small, small things. But I think that if you start to imagine everybody doing just a tiny little thing like that, um, you know, at some point in their week, the impact would be massive. <laughs> so I don't know. You know, there's there's stuff that we can do at the at the political level and at the high level. But I also think that it's just those those really, really small grassroots actions um, that that probably actually change societies.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What I'm hearing is that you're optimistic out of the pandemic as well, that this is, it's kind of changing the way that we think about people and, and the relationships. And especially we're both in Victoria, having seen how a lot of um, residential care got locked down and, and people were unable to leave their rooms for a period of time. I think that's, it's, it's getting out into the wider community, how much of an issue this isolation is amongst older adults. So I'm also optimistic that out of this, we can see some change and and hopefully through work that Lively's doing, the work that we're all doing individually, we can we can kind of turn this thing around a little bit. Changing tack a little bit, what does leadership in the aged care industry look like for you?
0: To pick up that point and what we were just talking about as far as optimism goes, I would like leadership in the aged care sector to be characterised by optimism and energy because I can't tell you how many seminars and, and conferences I've, I've sat through where I've, I've come away at the end and felt that all I've heard from people you know who, who are there presenting who are leaders in the industry is what's so hard about this work <laughs> you know that like we've got we've got this challenge to overcome and this challenge to overcome and this barrier and this obstacle and there can be this sense of Oh it's all so impossible and we don't have the funding and the community isn't supportive enough and our politicians aren't supportive enough because and then that that actually sort of ripples out and I think that really affects the the perception of this industry and it, and it and it affects the the willingness of smart, enthusiastic, motivated people to to actually pursue a career in, in this space because they see other sectors as being far more innovative and dynamic and um and, and exciting. And I, I really think that that what we need to see uh, is is leaders across the sector actually just coming forward with with optimism and excitement and enthusiasm about this work and the part that it plays in our community and 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 the future of of this sector, um, and I think that that would take us a long way. Um, I'm often concerned <laughs> by the fact that sometimes when I go to um, to to conferences or events and and present the the single thing that people that, that i get the most feedback from people about is the fact that like ah oh, you sound so hopeful and energetic about this and and the fact that that surprises people really you know or, or that that's that's striking to people really bothers me um yeah. so so yeah i think i think leadership is actually you know in in this sector just needs to look like inspiring hope and, and a positive vision of, of the future and, and, uh, and changing the perception that, that many people have um, about the industry through the process.
1: So where can people find out more about Lively?
0: Uh, so you can go to our website, which is just www.lively.org.au. Um, all of our contact details are there. You're also more than welcome to reach out to me directly for a chat. I'm happy to share my email with you and the listeners, which is Anna at lively.org.au. Um, and, yeah, really warmly welcome people to, to reach out and, and get in contact if they're interested in getting involved or, or interested in partnering and, and being part of some of the... To design pieces that I mentioned earlier and that, that we're always interested
1: in working on so awesome thank you so much for your time today Anna no worries
0: thanks so much for having
1: me on well we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Age care enrichment podcast brought to you by silver adventures don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you're listening and if you're enjoying it please leave us a review we would really appreciate it If you're interested in finding out how immersive virtual reality experiences can enrich the lives of older adults, visit the Silver Adventures website today at www.silveradventures.com.au See you next week.